Well, good morning. Welcome to the Faithfully Entrusted Podcast with pastor, author, teacher, Dr. Travis Tyler. And I'm Zachary Pugh, and I will be your host for the day. Uh, we really appreciate you joining us. We've been on a little bit of a, what I'd call a spring, summer break, um, just working through some different things. So we're back and in person. And what's fun about this episode is uh, Travis is actually with me in studio today. In Nashville. In Nashville. Say hi, Travis. Hello, friends. Yeah. So we're excited about that. Uh, we're excited to be with you in person, and we hope that your spring was great and you're off to a, a happy, happy uh, summer. And um, yeah, so today we're going we're gonna to dive into something that um, it's, it's probably a touchy su- subject, I think probably for a lot of pastors um, to have to, to talk about, but it's, it's about, it's about giving and specifically today, the lack thereof. Um, and that's, what's nice about this podcast is that even though pastor, uh, Travis is a, a teacher at a, a church, um, a lot of different people are listening to this podcast. So we're able to kind of share our thoughts and maybe it'll hit a little harder for you, uh, in the church that you go to. Um, uh, and, and, and maybe, this, these words today will <clears throat> will will inspire you to, to do better than we've kind of done. But Travis, how are you today? Welcome to Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome to the studios here in yes. uh, in Nashville. Appreciate your hospitality. It's it's always a fun city to come visit here in Nashville. Folks yeah. are really nice, and uh, the only the only downside is the traffic. You know, if you you got to yes. hit the right times. That's to, right. To yeah. Avoid that. So <laughs> well, we'll we'll get through this podcast, and we'll get you out of town so that you can you can beat the traffic but one of the things today we're going to I'm going to lead off with some statistics from a book called The Giving Crisis uh, by an author named Andrew McNair I believe he's a financial planner and he just kind of goes through some of the the biblical giving um, but one of the things that he talks about are some statistics on giving and they're they're pretty sobering um, and so let me go through a few of these um there's 247 million U.S. citizens that identify themselves as Christians, and the number is only 1.5 million of those seven or 247 million actually tithe. And then the average weekly giver contributes. So the people that are giving that 1.5 million, they're only giving a uh, thousand a year, and, and in some cases it's less than a thousand a year. Uh, and then of those who attend church on a regular basis, only five percent of them tithe. Um, 80% of contributors only give 2% of their income. Only 1% of households making over 75000 per year contribute at least 10% of their income to the church. And then 17% of American households currently give less than they did uh, in the past to local churches. Uh, and then for the 7% of regular churchgoers, so these are people that are regular attenders, um, the amount that has been donated and given to their church has dropped by 20 and so there's there's discussion you know we've had gone through covid we've gone through recessions there was the housing crash there's different reasons that you might argue that hey why are we not giving like we used to but one report uh indicated that non-american churchgoers gave more during the great depression 3.3 percent of their income in 1933 than they do now and that's you know almost 100 years ago 90 years it's 2023 when this is being recorded it's just pretty crazy that 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 st- these statistics are this low. And one of the quotes in the book says, uh, are you really a Christian if you're as greedy as everyone else? And I think that's the question we're going to talk about today. Why do we not give? 
Like why? Because um, I'll even admit, like I, you know, it's been a challenge. I have not been a completely faithful giver, you know, my whole life, and God has blessed me tremendously, and and um, you know, making good money, and it's just it's such a difficult thing. So Travis, dive into us with us today. I know you're going to be in, I think, Second Corinthians. Some I am as a, as a way of introduction, though. Um, I would like to say this in uh, 20 years. Let's see, I started in ministry in 2001, I guess, or what, in 20, year 22 now for me? Yeah. I've had a lot of people confess a lot of sins to me. So I've had, like, sexual morality confess to me. I've had people struggling with lust confess to me. Yeah. Pastor, I struggle with anger. Will you help me? Right. Uh, I struggle with bitterness. I'm struggling with, uh, you know, viewing grief incorrectly and getting stuck. So all these different confessions of sin. Do you know one sin that's never been ever confessed to me <laughs> it's and, easy because it's about our podcast today yeah, i'm going to assume you, it's tithing yeah well, and it's, giving it's greed. greed no one's ever ah, came yeah. in my office and ever said pastor i struggle with greed wow now the question is why is that zach is it that in three states and in 22 years everybody i've pastored has been batting a thousand and nobody mm-hmm. anywhere has ever struggled with greed mm-hmm. Because here's the reality. People are quick to admit sexual immorality, sin, or struggle with that at some level. I mean, I think really in America, you can more easily get people to admit that they have a problem with pornography than you can to get them to admit they have a problem with greed. Yeah. Frog in a frying pan, I think. I think we're we're so immersed in our uh, opulence in this country. Because I even say, like, even, I mean, and and this, this is... This is tough to hear for poor people that are poor in America, but even a poor person in America is in better standing and, and better off than someone like in Africa. Oh yeah, a thousand percent. And it still sucks. Like, well, depending <laughs> on what country in po- Africa. Po- yeah, po- yes, that's true. But I mean, poverty stinks, and it's not fun for anybody. But, um, but I think that's part of the problem is that there's so many programs, and you know, we we have this Amazon culture, you know, where it's like, you can get it today. <laughs> I know? guess you can in Nashville. We still have two days. You still have two days. No, <laughs> I mean, I can order something in the morning. It'll be here in the afternoon. No, we don't have it that fast. So that, you know, the, the instant gratification on online with social media and everything else. And then just the chasing, you know, everybody's chasing each other on, on stuff and who's got this and a new car. And, um, but the Bible tells us that the money is the root of all evil. Well, I think all sin comes with, most sins come with a sort of blindness to them many times. Um, But greed in particular, greed and covetousness, I'll almost use those words interchangeably, uh, because covetousness is just desiring what you don't have that others have. Greed is, you know, it's your heart attitude towards what you do have, you know, so that might be the distinction that I would make there. But um, so there's a blindness that comes to it that, is unique from other sins. And I'm not saying everybody I've pastored in the last 22 years is bad. I mean, I don't know that I have confessed it to other people myself. So, well, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting point. If you let it sit there and marinate, like I've confessed a lot of sins, you know, to God and personally and everything else in my life. And I have never confessed. I don't even know that I, I mean, I'm totally blind to the thought that I, that I, I know that I'm greedy. Yeah. So as that is a way of introduction, then let's look at our text today to help us, uh, because I think 
as in all things, we need the Word of God to help us with this particular topic. And yeah. so I'm going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 8 through 15. And for the sake of the podcast today, I'm going to really hone in on the backside of this, which is going to be 13 through 15. And we're going to kind of land there as sort of a help for how we think about this biblically. Um, so let's look at it here. Uh, Paul writes here, also it should be noted as way of introduction of the text, this is the largest section of Paul's writings in the entirety of the New Testament on the issue of generous giving. Okay, so there's no, it's like 37, 39 verses between chapter 8 and chapter 9. We're not even going to have time to get in chapter 9 today. Not that we necessarily need it to make the point that we need to make today, but uh, it is the largest section of Paul's writing there. He's been collecting monies. There's been a severe famine. He's collecting monies in Asia Minor and in Greece to help supplement the churches that are in need in, in Judea. And here he is writing to these churches to keep with their uh, original uh, contribution commitments to help those churches. And here's what he says. Tell us where you're at again. Just, oh, 2 Corinthians yeah. 8, 8 through 15. Okay. 2 Corinthians 8, 8 through 15. So, um and this is the word of God, so let's, let's hear it today. But also, I have the desire to do so, uh, to do so, no fin- to finish the work, so that your eager willingness to do it may match, be matched by your comp- uh, completion of it, according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is accepted according to what one has not, according to what he does. Not have I desired it that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality at the present time. You've, you're plenty with supply what they need so that in turn the plenty will supply what you need, that there will be equality as it is written. Those who gather much did not have too much. Remember this, uh, whoever sells uh, spare, sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever uh, sows graciously will also reap graciously each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give not reluctantly at times having all that you need you will abound in every good work as it is written he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor his righteous endures forever now he who supplies seemed to be the sower and the bread of food will also surprise overflowing in means expressing of things to God. Uh, that is the word. This is the word of the Lord here that, that, that we're reading this morning. So, so that's it. Uh, let's unpack it a little bit so that we can understand it. The first thing that kind of, when I look at a text, I'm always after what does it say? What does it mean? How does it apply? But one question I often ask just as an overarching thing when I look at a text is, what is shocking to me? Like, what do I find hard to believe in this text? And there's one thing that jumps out that's hard for me to believe. As I scan this text, the first thing that um, that is hard for me to believe is right there in verse 8, where he basically says, I am not commanding you to do this. All right, Zach, that's shocking to me. And here's why it's shocking. is because generous giving, and I'm not talking about If you want to go back and have the debate about service versus giving, I'm talking about giving of your financial means, your physical money, whatever it is, whatever Mm -hmm. culture you're in. That's always been a hallmark of God's people since before Christ was born in Bethlehem, right? That's that to me. That's a no question. You you're required by Scripture. I mean, you know, it's it's a part of the Christian Judeo-Christian ethic that we be generous givers. Okay, but he says here, 
I'm not command. I'm not making this a commandment. Now I've sat through. I don't know about you, but I've sat through a lot of Pharisaical sermons <laughs> on the issue of tithing. As you know, it is a command. But here in this passage, Paul says it's not a command. Yeah. That's shocking to me. I mean, if we were to do the same thing, like we know the church at Corinth had its other problems, right? It had problems with sexual morality. Uh, we know the story there about there was a gentleman who was involved with his stepmom, you know, in a sexual relationship, was known in the community, known in the church. Right. Paul said, put him out. Imagine if he, let's just apply the same thing here to, say, sexual morality. What if Paul wrote to the Corinthians and said, hey, listen, I want you to be faithful to your wives, but only if you feel like it. Mm. I mean, that would be shocking. You know, it's like, yeah. what, do you, what do you mean? I mean, of course, there's there's moments where you don't feel like being faithful, but you're faithful anyway. No, he, he gives commands on that issue. Right. But he doesn't give a command here. Yeah. Why? Why did he do that? You know? Um, I think, it, particularly, you know, husbands, you, you've had this speech before with your wives. You know, it's like he wants them to want to give generously. And oftentimes, you know, how many times have you messed up as a husband, right? Because you couldn't pick up on the cues your wife mm-hmm. was giving you to to do something, uh, whether that was go buy her flowers, whether that was, you know, I think uh, in the book he gives an illustration of he used to give his wife-to-be, his fiancée, bring her a rose every day, or roses, plural, every day. And she loved it, you know, thought it was the best thing ever till she visited him at work. And when she visited him at work, what she found was the secretary had a thing of roses on the desk. And she was like, well, what's those all about? And he's like, oh, well, I'll be a financial consultant. Uh, I just remind people when they're done here that it's just money to go out and smell the roses and enjoy life. And he said, after the day's over, when the clients take what they want, I bring you whatever's left over. Yeah, it changes things a little, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, and she said, I kind of wondered why some of the roses were wilted sometimes. And, uh, you know, here's the reality is uh, sometimes that's how we approach giving in as believers, isn't it? Is we we just say, well, we're going to pay this and this and this and whatever's left. We'll we'll give that to the church. We'll give that to the whatever. Yeah, we'll give that to God to be used. And uh, it's different when it's prioritized. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what Paul's after. We see this kind of language. Verse eight, chapter eight, verse eleven uh, I want to see an eager willingness kind of language that's used there. Chapter 9, I know I didn't read it, but then in verse 7 he says, I don't want you to do this with reluctancy, right? Now, every everybody in a marriage has done something for their spouse with reluctancy, or if you're a parent for your children with reluctancy. You've done it, but you didn't really enjoy it. Yeah. You did it because— Kids are great you, about doing that. Yeah. They so, take the trash out. <laughs> with reluctancy. Yeah, but not, not happily. And, and uh, Paul doesn't want to see that. Um, now, what else What else is going on here, and why would he say, I, I don't want to make this a command? Uh, something else, that to, to return back to the original point that I made, that no one has ever confessed greediness to me as a pastor. Greed and materialism, which go hand in hand, um, they have no certain external behavioral reference point. So, like with sexual morality, you know, pornography, there's a clear line. You pull physically that side up, you yeah. physically view There's it. an action. Yeah. Uh, with, um, you know, adultery, there's a point where it crosses the line and you're physically doing the act. Not so with greed, because greed is happening at the heart level and at the mind level. 
So um, money, if you, if you ask the question, how does the Bible view money? I would say amoral. And what I mean by that is money is not good and money is not evil. It's like how does Scripture view a hammer? It's amoral. You know, it's not good and it's not bad. It's just, it, it's just there. It just does something, yeah. And so money is the same thing. So, you know, in the Bible we have people that are very rich, right? Solomon, Bill Gates. We, we had an episode we talked about Solomon's wealth. Mm-hmm. David was very wealthy. Mm-hmm. Abraham was very wealthy. We have many examples. You know, Lydia in the New Testament, seller of purple, very wealthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have people that are poor, mm-hmm. widow and the widow's might, right? So you could have a lot of money and be in fine relationship with the Lord. Okay, Scripture has taught us that. because it. But you could also have a little bit of money and not be in right relationship with God. So it's your heart attitude and how you view your money, how you see that money, and whether you take security and take a certain amount of joy in it that should only be taken from the Lord. Yeah, I mean, a good example is the, you talked about the widow, right? Mm-hmm. She gave, Jesus said, she gave more than anybody here combined, I believe, mm-hmm. you know, because it was all she had. Yeah. So it, it, that's a great example of, you know, it's not about giving hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to the church. Mm-mm. It's about you giving what what is there. I, I think that sometimes we, we just forget, you know, with greed, it's I love the amoral concept there. It's it's just it's just it's happening all the time. Right. Especially as Americans. Mm-hmm. Like even if you don't want to be greedy, it's happening all around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so it's it's almost hard to you know, people are posting their new cars, they're posting their vacations, they're exactly. posting their their stuff. Even if you don't want to be a part of it, you're part of unless it. Unless you live in a hole, you're part of it. Yeah. You can't go to church on Sunday without seeing somebody's new car in the parking lot, right? And everybody, you know. Well, maybe in Nashville, not in East Tennessee <laughs> as much. But, yeah, we're we're big in the used car industry in Northeast Absolutely. Tennessee. We are too. Yeah. We are too. Uh, but um, so you know, another case in point is, um, you know, in Luke chapter twelve, Jesus rebukes the Pharisees. You know, I, I sometimes get questions. Well, Pastor, are we supposed to tithe off of our gross or off of our net? And I know it's probably an honest question, and I know people are trying to sincerely find the answer. But can I say this with all love? You're missing the point. Yes, if you're trying, yeah. And I, but I've done that. You're missing yeah, the point. I've done, I've totally done that. Um, you know, in Luke chapter 12, Jesus rebukes the Pharisees because they're tithing, but it doesn't affect them at all. Mm. Like they they can easily give the ten, the fifteen, twenty. You know, the Levitical law calls for near twenty percent, but they're so rich. They don't feel it right at all. It makes no difference in the room they sit in or their economic status. They can easily give that. You know, if you're making three, four hundred thousand dollars a year, ten percent of that's not a big deal. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, in today's society, but if you're making twenty thousand dollars a year, ten percent of that is major. Mm-hmm. You know, it's major. Uh, and Jesus says in twelve fifteen. Now listen to this. And, and I want to add after this, Jesus and the entirety of Scripture warns more about greed than it does sexual morality. Mm. It says, and he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession. And in some translations it says all forms of covetousness. So meaning that, like I said a minute ago, there's not that one like checkbox 
for greed and covetousness, which makes it difficult to diagnose. I think one of the other things, and getting off on a bit of a, a I was in church Sunday and we're doing a, a study, a four-week summer series on loving your Bible. And I'm not going to go through all the statistics, but the bottom line was this, the, the, the final statistic was around uh, amongst men, and we talk about men being the leader of our home, so I'm not going to focus on women. It wasn't much better. 16% of men study their Bible throughout the year. 16% of churchgoers are in their Bible throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And do you know what being in the Bible consists of in this no. poll? Going to your Bible four times in a year. Four times in a year? To seek the Word of God. Four times? Four times. Uh, and so the point is, is that. I mean, that's better than zero, I guess. It's but. better. And this doesn't count like if you're in church or if you're in a Bible study. Like this is <laughs> you taking time on your yeah. own to go study the Bible. The point is what I'm trying to bring us back to here is that this is kind of like hidden nuggets of truth about greed. Like you've talked about it, right? There's all kinds of strict warnings about homosexuality. There's strict warnings about adultery. There's strict warnings about lust and, and things like that. The greed stuff just kind of, it just kind of floating radar. there. Yeah. And I think the reason, I think I I look back at all this and I say, where's your heart as a, like Jesus said, I, we will know them by their fruit. Mm-hmm. And I, you're right. Like I have to give, I have to pay child support. So I'm always like, should I tithe? I'm, I'm, I'm not, pay, you know, I pay taxes on that money. And, and you're exactly right. My heart should be like, no, I'm just going to give. Like, I'm not going to break it all down. This isn't like a line item, you know, for my gym membership, right? Like I'm willing to give what God has called me to give and I'm going to give it. Well, I, I, I think you can do it as far as like priority, you know, and yeah. I'm break it down that way. So, okay, I'm first going to give to the Lord. That's right. But yeah, I hear, I hear what you're saying, but I don't treat it like a gym membership. That's right. And, but, but that's the point. And I think that th- there have been times where I, you know, I do get convicted about it. I need to give, like I've, I've been unfaithful and, but I mean, if you're not studying the Bible, like if you're not in the word, like if you're not reading all this underlying truth, you're not going to see it. Or and if you're it. not listening to awesome podcasts, like faithfully, that's trusted, right. You're not going <laughs> to, you're right. not going to, where are you going to get this stuff? Right. Uh, no, uh, well, so to bring us back here, I, I really want to give us a picture of what Paul's pointing towards as a generous heart. So let's see if we can kind of define that today, okay? Uh, and then I want to give some kind of helps for overcoming it. He looks at chapter 8, verse 4, at the Macedonian churches, which were very poor. And you and I were talking before the podcast, mm-hmm. people in poor areas seem to be more generous. Yeah. And it says here, he, he notes them as over, from their overflowing joy and extreme poverty. They welled up in generosity. Hmm. And it says here that I testify to you that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Yeah. So Paul's holding up the Macedonian churches and saying, these are not exceptional Christians. These are not, you know, some people in Christian culture say, these are a real big Christian. I always was weird. I was like, are they fat? Are they overweight? Like, what does big <laughs> mean? Like, uh, these she, are, She's a good Christian woman. Yeah, Have you ever heard that one? Yeah, she's a good Christian. No, these, she's a good these Christian are, gal. He's saying Macedonians and their generous giving, that's the norm. Yeah. So really what, what this means is the definition for a generous heart is kind of a fearful thing. If you think about it, because if we were, if we're to, if I were to break it down, I would say this way, um, I would say a generous heart is, is someone who's got such a joyous and I'm going to say assertive, proactive desire. It's a lot of adjectives to describe that 
to seek out ways to give your money away that you do it and you do it and you do it until it makes a measurable difference in the very room you're sitting in uh, where you're living economically and then you keep doing it uh, to, to put the cookies on a lower shelf okay you give till it hurts and you love it and, 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 and there, I mean, and there is a, I think that's what's so discouraging is that I can, there have been countless times in my life where I have given when I didn't have the money to give for whatever reason and which are few, unfortunately, I'll admit my sin here on the podcast, but well, you're but, the first, but, 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 but God, but God always makes a way Yeah, like he always provided. And I think that's what's so discouraging for me as I'm listening to this and kind of going through it. I, God always provides. He does. And yet I still don't trust him. Well, and that's one thing I want to, I want to, in, in instructing you this week on, on giving, I do want to say, we're not going to jump into prosperity gospel teaching, which no. would say, buddy, if you'll just give, just God will give it over 10 times. It's not what scripture teaches. And it's, yeah. That you, doesn't if happen. you give, you're going to, you're going to notice it's, it's the point of giving is that it is sacrificial, which means yeah. you're going to be missing stuff, but you're not going to starve. The righteous will not go hungry. Yeah. The Bible makes this That's promise. Right. You're going to have all your needs met. Now, you're going to have to lay some wants down at the altar and sacrifice those yeah. things. But you're going to have your needs met. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, it wasn't that a new Mercedes showed up at my driveway. No. It was the fact that an extra hundred bucks came in, mm-hmm. you know, to help pay a bill mm-hmm. that I, I wasn't expecting. You know, little things like that. Where It's just, yeah. it's always been cool to see how God, it, he doesn't give me more than I need. He just gives me what I need. Yeah. to take care of a situation yeah well let me give us a little more antidote on greed if i can mm-hmm. and as we kind of fly out of here at the end uh i really want to hone in on the last part here verse 15 as it is written whoever get whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no lack this is a direct reference to exodus 16 uh, which is a fascinating connection that paul is making here he's talking about the children of israel wandering in the desert they don't have enough. The land's barren. I mean, it's desert land. They can't grow the food that they need to live off of. They can't hunt. There's not game to hunt. So what does God do? He provides miraculously through what? Do you remember? Manna. Through manna. Yeah, All what right. is it? Well, I like to envision it's Krispy Kreme donuts. It's not. The every, every day, just rain Krispy Kreme donuts every day. And do you remember what they had to do, though, to get the manna? Do you remember? They had to go gather it just gather enough it. Right. for the day. So let's, th- let's talk about the gathering for just a minute here because mm-hmm. this is what he's referencing here. So they had to go basically harvest. It's a physical activity to harvest it mm-hmm. off the ground. So my son's pretty fast. He's like a little track star. Okay. He, I don't know if he, he doesn't listen to this, so I can say this. If he ever like did something and ran away, I'd never catch him. I mean, yeah, he's, he's, quick as, he's quick as lightning. Yeah. So if we're in Exodus 16 times and the manna rains in the morning, my son's going to collect more manna than me because he's faster. Yeah. I'm going to collect more manna than my dad who had a hip surgery. Yeah. And then we're all going to take it back to the tent. We're going to put it on the table. And we're going to divide out what everybody needs for the day. Okay. So... Well, there's going to be a collection, then there's going to be an interaction with community, and then there's going to be a distribution. Mm. Okay? So the, Paul's pointing to these principles. Now, what happens if you take too much? Do you remember? It goes bad at the end of the day. It rots. Except for yeah. on Saturday. Right, which was right. needed for the Sabbath, yeah. right. Because you didn't want to gather on You Sunday. couldn't gather on Sabbath, yeah. So what's the principles that emerge here for us in giving? Well, first of all, manna can be compared to money right so what's life it's food yeah Yeah. so like 
You are able to make money, Zach, because you were born here, you live in Nashville, and you have the particular set of situations and gift sets to make that money. You could have easily have been born in the 12th century in Tibet on a mountaintop. Yeah. And you would not have near the opportunity that you have right here in Nashville, Tennessee that's in, right. in 2023. So that's all by God. Now, you, some of us are faster and better at making money than others, right? We are. That's just the reality of any place mm-hmm. anywhere. And then this is not communism. I would argue communism is, is a atheist attempted perversion at a model that God put in place because that, re, that concept of redistribution, I know particularly for conservative areas like we live in, yeah. freaks people out, sounds Marxist. That's not the picture. Acts 2, everybody was selling to meet the needs of the body and community. That's right. And they were joyfully doing it. I've met, I haven't met a communist country where everybody was joyful for what all the government was taking. Well, to get to your point, to get to your point, it's not about. It's one thing for the government to take your money and redistribute it. We, I've said this for a long time. Welfare programs, all these programs, are good programs. The church should be doing it. Mm-hmm. The church should be doing it. Yeah. You know, the food pantries and things that some church do. But, but like, yes, if we're if we're giving like we should, the church can be benevolent towards the people that are right. needy for a period of time to get them off their feet, to get them going. Right. The the church has failed, not right. the church necessarily, but the, the participants of church mm-hmm. have failed in giving and not been able to, yes. to sustain others. And yes, so the and government the, has had feels like they gotta step in and do things. Well yeah, and I mean it's we've battled greed in this country since the beginning. That's right. You know, and, and since time. And then also let's keep in mind that, you know, the government's priority is, you know, taking care of actual physical needs and, and protection here of the nation. The church's priority is is gospel preaching and teaching That's right. as number one. And so it's going to be gospel-centered. So one thing that I should note, though, is, and I want to balance this with Scripture and say, I understand we're trying to leave legacies. Proverbs says that, you know, leave, a, leave an inheritance for your family. That's all true and in there. But there also seems to be an indicator here that just like the manna rotting in 16, if you took too much, if you keep too much money for yourself and with it, intent and purpose of being used for self and self alone, then it could rot your soul. Yeah. Because well, and then how many how many inheritances have gone away to mm-hmm. the second and third generation? It yeah. ha- it's nearly every one. So you know, there's a call here to give, um, and to and to really honestly look and give. And it's it's not as much about the statistic; it's about at what point are you as dependent as Israel in Exodus 16 on God for daily needs. I come back to the quote that we started with at the beginning. Are you really a Christian if you're as greedy as everyone else? Like if you're walking through this life and you don't have a conviction about how much you're giving, you got to, you need to check yourself. You a hundred percent do. And uh, so we need to, to check this greed. We need community. We need to be in the church. You you may need to sit down with leaders in your church and say, Hey, help me look at my budget and see where I can cut and give. Uh, You need to be honest with yourself and say, how do I really view my money? Am I taking a certain level of dependence from my money and security from my money that I should really only be taking from the living God of the universe who died on the cross for our sins? Yeah. And and view money the way that it's meant to be viewed as a means and not an end. Yeah. No, good stuff. Good, good stuff. So today we've talked about greed. We've talked about money. We've talked about tithing. I love what Travis said. If you got a problem with it, Hey, go confess it. You'll blow your pastor off his seat. 
And then uh, if you need help on how to create a budget and figure that out, there's a lot of programs out there that can do that. Travis, you got a nugget for us? I got bunches of nuggets, but I'm going to kind of close out with one. This is from years ago. One of the leaders, actually a chemist, came up with this, and he's very right in this. There was a mission called the China Inland Mission, an effort to share the gospel with the Chinese. And uh, he, he wrote this thing. It was a Scotsman. He said, nothing tests our attitude on our love for Christ and others than our attitudes towards giving financially. And he says, the world asked, how much do you own? The Bible asked, how do you use it? The world asked, what are you getting? Christ asked, what are you giving? Men will ask us, how much did you give? But the Bible will ask, how much did you keep? So, the world views money as a place for comfort and confidence, but the church and God's people should view it as consecrated to do the things of the Lord. Good. Good stuff. Very good stuff. Well, we appreciate you listening to the Faithfully Entrusted Podcast today. Travis and I were in person, so there won't be a video podcast this time because we are doing it in a studio, and it was cool. It was great to be here together with you, man. It was. That Thank was a lot, that was, This has been a lot of fun, so we hope you enjoyed this podcast. I did want to remind you, Season one, episode nine, we talk about tithing and giving and kind of service uh, in that in that episode. So go back and check that out along with other podcasts that we've done. Uh, and uh, we are so happy to be back with you. And we will continue this summer schedule as we go on. We appreciate you listening to the show today. For Dr. Travis Tyler, I'm Zachariah Pugh. Join us next time as we open God's word to find out more about how he's entrusted us with his word. Have a great day. God bless. <laughs>